You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh. If you're excited to be here, would you just make a noise? Let's see. Who's excited? There we go. See, I like that because we can be not doing good on the how you doing. Like, oh, I'm not doing that great, but I am excited to be here. And uh, if that's you, then you're probably fitting right in with everybody else. Um, but, hey, I really want to encourage you guys this morning. Uh, you saw that August 11th is two services. Really the reason we're doing that is because we always in, want to anticipate and be preparing for what God's doing. So here, um, especially in our kids' spaces, we just kind of never – we weren't anticipating all the cool things God was going to do, and he's kind of like over and abundantly brought in some incredible families and kids into our kids' space, and Delaney and the kids' team is doing such an incredible job that we, we've like had to flip classrooms and change things, and so we just need space. And so for us as a church, um, we're like, man, we got to go to two services. We got to prepare, because if 20 more people show up, we just don't physically have room for them with <laughs> the chairs. And we just desire, uh, it's not about filling this place or filling our ego. It's about filling the kingdom of heaven, right? It's about filling heaven. We want to win, right? We want, we want our friends and our relatives and our neighbors. We want our city. We want them to know the hope of Jesus Christ. And so we're always just expanding for that. And so my encouragement to you is leading up to August 11th is to invite, 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 invite. Like, I love, I love all of you, but I think there's people that you're going to encounter between now and August 11th that, that need to hear one thing, and it's this, your story. Some of you, you don't have any Bible training. You've read maybe three or four verses. You're not super deep into it. You're just kind of figuring it out. But, like, God has given you a story of what he's done in your life. That's called, we used to call it a testimony. Sometimes we freak out about that, so I'm going to call it a story. Is that God has given you a story, and I believe that your story matters to the kingdom of God. The greatest tool that you have is not that, oh, I'm perfect, and I'm like one of these hyper-spiritual people. The greatest story you have is like, hey, you know me. You know what I've been through. Let me tell you, God is transforming me, and I just want to invite you on a Sunday. Look someone in the eyes and just tell them, God did a miracle in my life, or he is doing a miracle in my life. And I want to invite you to come on Sunday and just believe that God's going to do a miracle in your life, whatever that might be. And so I just want to encourage you to, to be sharing the story of your heart with people. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm on the journey, right? I'm on the journey right now, but God's doing something. And I bet if you came and I bet if you kind of stepped into this place with people that are going to love you and welcome and invite you, I believe that God's going to do something in your life too. It, it's, it's really um, we, we overcomplicate it, but I think God has given you something special, and that's your story. So I want to encourage you up to August 11th to tell your story. Can we do that? Mm, ooh. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Are you ready? Can we do that? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Awesome. Hey, uh, if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Psalm 150. Uh, we're in a series called Summer Soundtrack. We've been talking about the Psalms and, and important Psalms, and they're all important, but basically we've been talking about the ones that I like. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, and I love Psalm 150, and we're going we're gonna to dwell on this, but I want to ask kind of a question. You don't have to yell a response because you guys have already nailed that part. Um, but I want to ask a question that you probably asked when you came in is, why do we worship? More importantly, like, why do we spend the first 20, 15, 20 minutes of the service singing? 
right? Uh, some of you, you, did, you didn't even know we spent the first 15, 20 minutes of the service singing. Um, come early sometime and see <laughs> uh, that we do that. But we, we you know, why, why do we worship? Why is there a band? Why is Gillian up here dancing around? Like, like why? Is it just like those are the people that like music and then like all the normal people? Like, you know, why, why do we sing? And I, I used to get that question a lot when I started in ministry. Uh, I got that question a lot of like, hey, why, why do we do the singing part? People would come tell me, um, sometimes, I don't know if honesty is the right term, brutally honest, they would just come up and tell me like, hey man, are you the worship pastor? And I'd be like, yeah, I'm the worship pastor. They'd be like, great, I, I just don't like the music portion, so I skip that. I'm like, oh good, well I was hoping I wouldn't feel good today. Thank you for that. Thank you for leveling me out. <laughs> I woke up feeling joyful, but you're here and I'm flatlined. Um, <laughs> You know, like, that's just the truth of life, right? Like, everything you say should be true, but not everything true needs to be said. Like, if you don't like someone, you don't necessarily have to tell them to the face, like, yeah, I don't like the work that you've devoted your life to. Like, oh, okay, cool, rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be here in six months anyway, so it's fine. Um, but the... But there is this portion at the beginning of, like, what do I do with this? I, you know, I can remember being like, I, I even loved music as a young person. But it's like, why do we do, like, why at the beginning? Why not at the end? Why, I mean, why do we do it the way we do it? Has anyone ever wondered that? Like, when you first came to church, you were like, Does, did everyone get, like, a playlist? They know all these songs. <laughs> like, there's just some pseudo-Christian playlist. Like, oh, you got saved? Yeah, let me get you the Spotify. I'm going to get you hooked up. you got to show up on time, <laughs> and you can be ready to go. But uh, I... I think that that is a reasonable question to ask. If you've ever asked that question, why do we sing, I want to affirm you that I think that's a reasonable thing to ask. Why do we sing at church? And so I want this morning to kind of explain to you why we do what we do through music. So if you're like, I'm one of those people and I don't like the music portion, I just hang out in the cafe, that's okay. I want to affirm your journey to discovering the goodness that God has through worship. And I, and I believe that if you could get kind of get a hold of it a little more, to not, you wouldn't feel heard or convicted or, you know, I know we're joking about it, but you would just feel like released to be who God made you to be. And so this morning, if you've asked that question, I want to affirm you and we're going to pray and we're going to kind of jump into this this morning. But God, I thank you for seeking hearts this morning. God, I thank you for hearts that say, I don't have all the answers, but I seek through the word of God, through the God that does, whose ways are higher than my ways and thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And so, God, we just seek you this morning. We pray that through your word, you would speak to our hearts, God, and just change us. We desire uh, more of you this morning, less of us, more of you. God, less of me this morning and more of your word that it would come through in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to say, I, uh, I personally really love music. Uh, I, ever since I was a kid, I love music. There's always music in my house. Um, my daughter is always singing. If she's breathing, she's singing, and it could be anything. It could be worship. It could be, like, Dixie Chicks. She's really into this one song called Knockingbird right now. It's actually called Mockingbird, but for some reason, she's got it in her brain. That's not what it is. Um, uh, and the other day, she's recently started just making up songs. Um, she wrote a song the other day called The World Never Changes, and I just didn't have the heart to tell her. Um, <laughs> young songwriters, you know, just so arrogant. Um, but yeah, she's just always singing. There's always music. And uh, I, so I kind of naturally jump into there's just music and music all the time. I'm musical. Um, I played in bands and write music. Um, but I also understand, like, not everybody's that way. 
And so this morning when we talk about Psalm 150, I don't want you to think this is Josh's psalm. This is, this is the pastor's passion. I want you to hear it uh, through the ears of what Scripture is trying to say to, to encourage you into all that God has, like I said. And, and I think if we understand and worship who it's for, if we understand and worship what it's about, and if we understand and worship what it really does for our lives, then it kind of opens a supernatural. And so because I'm limited by ter terminology here this morning, I just want to clarify one thing. When I'm discussing worship this morning, I'm discussing the musical act of worship. So there's lots of ways that we worship. We worship um, in the way we live is living sacrifices before the Lord. We worship when we give. Like there's lots of different ways, right, that we worship the Lord. But since for 150 years we've been calling this musical part worship, I'm also going to call it that. Fair? Okay, so I don't have to clarify every time that I say it. Um, but I really think that this, what, what we did here, this musical act of worship is a gift. And I love David because I think he understood it maybe better than most. Um, probably definitely better than most. And so when he writes Psalm 150, he writes this really powerful psalm that kind of like they put at the end of Psalms in it. And it is a powerful declaration of what praise is. And so I want to read this to you. If you brought your Bibles, open up to Psalm 150. It's right before you hit Proverbs. If you didn't bring your Bible, the words will be up on the screen. It goes like this. Psalm 150, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. I'm talking like this because there are exclamation points everywhere. Praise him in his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Whew. It's a lot of exclamation points in one psalm. <laughs> uh, I... The psalm starts and ends with this phrase, praise the Lord, or praise be unto the Lord. And, and this word uh, is essentially through transliteration, meaning the translation of letters, is translated to the word that we commonly see um, in, in some praise choruses, which is hallelujah, right? Uh, so when we sing the song, raise a hallelujah, right? These are where these words are coming from. Um, and hallelujah means praise ye the Lord. That's through translation and transliteration. That's what it means. Praise ye the Lord. And I love the word hallelujah. Uh, it feels good to say. There's lots of L's. It flows off the tongue. Um, and it starts and ends with hallelujah. So since we're reading it, I thought, let's just say hallelujah because it feels good. And we got to wake it up a little bit. So if you're with me, on the count of three, everyone just say in your, like, loudest grandma went to church voice. Um, <laughs> we're going to say hallelujah. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. If you're new, you're like, oh, one of these churches, rad, okay. <laughs> um, but in the Hebrew tradition, hallelujah was a call to praise. And so they would start off uh, in the assembly with this hallelujah, uh, and there's different hallelujah psalms, this is one of them. But they would start off with hallelujah, and it means, like, let's praise together. So turn to your neighbor, and with your best uh, grandma church voice, just say hallelujah to them. Amen. They're just ready to praise with you. You're ready to get it. <laughs> and so what we have at the beginning of verse 1 is an invitation to praise. Uh, verse 1, it, it says there, 
praise the Lord, which is hallelujah. And it says, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. That word sanctuary, it, it actually means his, his place of dwelling. So David writing this, he would have had a very specific place in mind, meaning the temple, right? So David is basically saying uh, the word sanctuary is like, I don't know, literally translated as a place where a deity dwells. So David is saying, praise God in his temple or in where he dwells. And then he says, praise him in his mighty heavens. And I love that because did you know that there's praise constantly occurring in heaven? Like we do it here Sunday mornings and you might sing in your car, but there is constant musical praise and worship and worthy, worthy, worthy of God. The angels, heavenly beings are, are praising God constantly, constantly, constantly. And in fact, the word hallelujah is really only mentioned in the New Testament in Revelation uh, 19. And you're like, see, I knew you were one of these churches. Uh, <laughs> Revelation's a great book if you haven't read it. But in, in Revelation 19, there's this praise that goes up with heaven where, where they're praising and saying, worthy, worthy, worthy are you, God. Hallelujah, right? They're declaring who God is. And this is the invitation that we get is because David realized that praise aligns us with heaven. Praise aligns us. We're, when we worship on a Sunday, I didn't know if you, if you knew this, but we're co-praising with heaven. We're not the only chorus. We're not only joining every chorus around the world that's declaring the faithfulness of God. Faithful you are, faithful, faithful, forever and ever, amen, right? We're, it's not just us here. It's us around the world, but it's also with heaven. That we're co-praising with heaven. And so when, when it's like, okay, well, why do we worship? Why do we start with worship? Why do we begin with worship? It's because God is with us and we praise God together. We praise him where he's at. See, follow me here because it's important. God has given us his Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, who is God, part of the Trinity, is with us. The Holy Spirit descended on Pentecost, is with you and I. We, we're filled with the Holy Spirit and and there's something special that happens that, that we're not trying to find the temple in Jerusalem. We are the temple, right? We're told your body is a living temple, right? Like we, we are where God dwells. And so when we come together, it's not just us individually, but collectively where God is with us on a Sunday morning. It's not just a physical act. God is with us. I love Ephesians 5, 18. If you're uh, taking notes, go ahead and just write down Ephesians 5. 18 through 19, and you can look it up later, but it says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, from the very beginning, the church realized the importance of praising God together, of coming together and worshiping God hear me say, there is power in a praising church. You are very unlikely, and I'm not talking style. Style's different. Style changes. But you are very unlikely to walk into a powerful church and find powerless worship. A church is powerful because there's power in praise. There's power when, when we worship God. 
the miraculous happens during worship. It's not like the worship is the thing that we do for the really emotional people so we can get out of the way and really get to the altar call, and then God will do the miraculous. The miraculous happens in worship. We just often haven't quite prioritized it yet, that this is a supernatural happening of God, that he wants to move, that he wants to break chains, that he wants to change lives in praise. Praise is what does that. Praise is what informs it. We are, heaven is touching earth in this beautiful moment of co-praise with all of heaven because God wants to do the miraculous. There's power in it. But it's not only that there's, that there's power in it for us, but the why that we praise. Okay, I understand that we praise. I understand that you like the church. You're the pastor. You have to like the church. But why do we praise? Verse 2 tells us we praise because God is worthy of worship. This is so important. God is worthy of worship. Verse 2 tells us, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. The word mighty deeds there, it's salvation. It's his saving power. In Hebrew, it literally means an accomplishment related to liberation. Praise him because he's a God who saves us. He's a God who rescues us. He's a God of salvation. Psalm 20, verse 6 says, Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. And look what else it says in verse 2. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. I like that phrase, excellent greatness. Your version might have a different uh, phrase there, but excellent greatness, meaning his creative goodness, his creative power, his character. Praise him for his character. If you want to go read another great psalm that accompanies this, uh, afterwards, Psalm 145 is fantastic. But verse 4 says, uh, one generation shall condemn, <clears throat> my bad, one generation shall commend, different, your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. See, worship, the reason why we worship is it is a response to who God is and what God has done and believing for what he will do. Right? See, it, worship is not a response to how we feel or what we've done or who we are. Worship is a response to who God is and what God has done and what God will do. Worship, it focuses our heart and minds onto him. And let me tell you, what you're thinking about during this time of worship is most likely what you're worshiping during the week. So if you are thinking on you and thinking about yourself and thinking about you, it's very, it's very likely, not all the time, but it's very likely that what God needs to do is get our heart and our mind off of us and onto him. The deeper you stare into yourself is not going to change anything. The deeper you stare into God is going to change everything. So people are like, I just don't feel it. Yeah, me neither. I pastor this church and I come on Sundays and I don't feel like singing. I remember one time, this isn't my notes, but I'm going to share it. I went, when Katie and I had a really deep loss in our family, um, us, us personally and I, and I had to lead worship that Sunday. And... Um, we, we had lost our, our first child, and I'm honest about this, so I'm not, like, surprising. Katie and I talked about this, and we had lost our, our first child, and, and I was like, I got to go lead worship the next day. And I remember getting on stage and being like, 
I hate this. If I'm just being honest, like, I, I hate that I have to do this. I hate that I have to be here. I don't feel any of this. Could you imagine? I mean, right? Like, you get on stage and you have to, like, lead everybody else into it. And God put something in my heart and my mind and saying, this worship is not about you. It's because of me. You need me. You need my light. You need my hope. You need my restoration. You need my renewal so you don't feel like it. You don't want to sing. That's great. You want to go sit in the darkness. But I've came to bring you into light. And so you need to take a step of faith in praise. I don't care if you sing out a key, on key, off key, up a key, down a key, different song, different verse. You got to just step into it. Because when I stop looking here and I start looking there, I'm going to see the transformation that comes from the Lord. And that's what God has done. We worship because of God. It focuses our heart. It aligns. I mean, just imagine this. I mean, we think pretty highly of ourselves, but even just think for a second. Worship aligns your heart and mind and soul and body with an almighty God who created the earth with just his voice. Like, that's powerful. That's powerful. It aligns us with him, and God is good, and God is faithful, and God is loving, and he does not turn you away and pray. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, this hurts. But God is always faithful. And there's something true there is that God, and it's because God has created the gift of music for praise. God has created the gift of of music for praise. You know, he gave you a gift when he created praise. You didn't know this, but, but God has gifted you with praise. You ever wonder, what kind of music do you think God likes best? Is it country? I think it might be. <laughs> it's like the only one that still sings about him that's not worship. <laughs> it's the country. Um, I don't know. What if we all got to heaven and God's favorite music was opera? We'd be like, oh, my gosh, an eternity of this? For real? <laughs> all right. <laughs> And send me back, all dogs go to heaven style. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think God loves music because he made it, right? And he loves the expression of it. We get up there and it's opera. We're going to be for the glory of God. It's like, like we're just going to go for it. Like, who cares, right? I'm going to do it. We're all going to do it. Don't act like you're better than opera before the Lord. <laughs> People are like, was that tongues? What was that? <laughs> Yeah, that was a turkey. Yes. <laughs> Y'all are eating some weird turkeys, Gillian. <laughs> but I love, if you look at scripture in Psalm 150, verse 3, getting us back, uh, it says, praise him with the trumpet sound. Look at this list of instruments. Praise him with a trumpet. Praise him with a lute and a harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and a pipe, with sounding cymbals, with crashing cymbals. Uh, God likes instruments, y'all, and he gives us this really awesome list of instruments. This is like an exuberant, loud band, and it mentions dancing in there. I know that might mess up your background, but it, it's, I'm just going to read the Bible, and it says dance, and in fact, uh, I, I love that David put this in because David loved to dance. Second uh, Samuel uh, 6.14 says, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. And I have this photo uh, that I got. This is the dance. Janice said he looks like he's about to drop it so low right now. <laughs> he's about to kick in so tough. It's like, y'all didn't know David was a b-boy. He's about to get so real. Like, he's, like, dancing uh, before the Lord. And, and I, I love that because David was moved by music. 
right? He was stirred by it. He was stirred by praise. Like the things he said and the actions that accompanied them, like matched. Like I hate singing songs like, and we'll dance. Like there's songs about dancing that like we'll sing occasionally. And everyone's like, I'm going to dance. It's like, apparently not. <laughs> probably shouldn't sing this bridge because like I feel I'm not a great dancer I feel uncomfortable I don't even know where to start honestly I just stay in my box if I'm in a wedding I'm just like right here I lift my heels that's about it I'm just I'm right here right in my space hey what's up that's good oh next song great I'm gonna get some something over here hey you want to go somewhere else great <laughs> but David he's just passionate about dancing and, and, I, and I love this because God created music. And not only did God create music, he didn't create it and was like, that's terrible. He created it and was like, that's good. God loves music. God loves praise. And he uses music. This is cool. God uses music all throughout Scripture. And people respond to God through music all throughout Scripture. Why? Because music makes a message or a moment more memorable. Anyone have a moment attached to a song in your mind? Like there's like, and you hear that song, you're like, oh, yeah, that was so great, right? It, it stirs us. It moves, I mean, it like it locks it into our brain. It, that's not an accident that we all feel that way. We were created to feel that way. There was an intent. Music, it, it helps us remember something that's happening. That's why we repeat courses. People will come up and be like, why are we repeating this course over and over again? We're just trying to get people hyped up. I'm like, no, it's because I'm trying to get you to remember. If I said right now, whoa, we're halfway there. Yeah, yeah, get it, girl. Yeah, come on, come on. That's what's up. <laughs> and why do we all know that? Because we've all heard it and heard it and heard it. But Bon Jovi cannot save you from the storms of your life. That's why we repeat choruses. Because you only come to church twice a month. And when you're here, I want to make sure you know it. Because when you go out of here, I want you to be empowered. Because praise is powerful. And, and, and since, I mean, Bon Jovi might help you in prayers, you know. I mean, you might just really be in that moment working out or something. It might help you. Um, but... But music, it stirs us, it helps us remember. And so when you're in that trial, what I want you to remember is not living on a prayer, Bon Jovi's prayer. I want you to remember all your promises are yes and amen. You gave me a promise for my family, and so I'm going to believe you for the promise. And so I'm sitting in the waiting room, or I'm sitting in the hospital, or I'm sitting at my job, or I'm sitting in my broken home. But in my brain isn't journey, even though I love journey, don't, don't get at me about it, but it's the praise of God. All your promises are yes and amen. Faithful you are. Faithful you are. Faithful you are. Faithful you are. I love about music, that God created music so that big moments of praise in the Bible often come in the form of music. Let me hit you with a couple. Creation, Job 38, 7, says that the Son of God lifted up shouts of joy at creation. Exodus 15, when the people come out in the Exodus, what's the response to the Exodus? Moses sings a song. He starts up a worship service. The incarnation, Luke 1, 46. What happens there when Mary receives the news of the Savior that's going to be given? What does she do? She sings a praise song. She's going to raise a hallelujah. She's about to face some stuff as a single mom in a shame culture. What is her response? praise. How about the final redemption? Some of you, Revelation 5, 9, 
the elders, what do they do? In the end, the end of all creation, we're told, what do they do? They gather around and they sing praise, worthy, worthy, worthy. Because it accompanies these big moments. But also, third thing is that music moves the human spirit. It moves us. I guarantee you right now, if we busted into some certain songs, some of you would physically have to sing. It would kill you to not sing. Like if I just sang half (laughs) of a certain song, my wife would die without finishing it. She'd be like, we have to finish this course, right? Because it moves us. It stirs us. It it continues. There's power in it that we're created for. It's not an accident. It moves our heart. It moves our mind. It moves our body. It moves our soul. And this is what's so cool is God created something that moves you because God wants to speak in ways to you that move you and that move your heart and that move your soul and that speak. You're like, man, why is this hitting me? I I feel like I know this and I know it before, but there's something about the music and and in this moment that's stirring up my soul that's so beautiful and, and it's stirring my heart. There's a worship song, Ever Be, that I just was like, yeah, it's an okay song. But I heard it one time at a funeral, and it just, like, crushed me. Why? Because it was the power of the music matching the soul and the body and the grief and the reality. It stirred something inside of me because it moves us. Think about this. God created from the beginning of time something beautiful that speaks directly to you in the core of your being. Even if you don't like music, I've seen people like, I'm not, I'm not a music person. Even you will tap your foot when God's moving in praise. Even you. And that's okay. I'm not looking, I'm not saying you've got to respond a certain way. I'm just saying that God wants to speak to you through praise and through worship. And this is great, is that God's given us this great gift. God's given us the, this great blessing of praise. But here's all he asks in return. You ready? It's to worship with all that you have. And I'm going to explain that. This is all God asks, to worship with all that you have. Look back at the list. If you have your Bibles open, verse 3, trumpet sound. How do you worship with, with all that you have? I want to look at this list. Here's a trumpet sound. That's a horn instrument that signals the year of Jubilee. How many think we should start off with, with like a horn trumpet? Just really signal us in. You're like, oh, I, I, sorry, Nick, I can't get my coffee. i got to go in. They're blowing the horn. i got to go in with the trumpet sound, right? Trumpet sound, it's signaling. It's a jubilant instrument. Then it says the lute and the harp. Some of yours might say a lyre. It's a stringed instrument. It's more reserved. It's soothing. It's meant to soothe the soul. Very different from a trumpet, right? Look at this tambourine and dance. The actual word there is tambour, meaning a drum. So there was drums and dancing in church before there weren't drums and dancing in church. Just heads up. (laughs) Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, don't let my grandma hear that. (laughs) But there, there, there have been drums and dancing. That's very different than a trumpet. I've never danced to a trumpet, but drums and dancing and a beat and a tempo. It's something that moves forward. Then what does it say? There's strings and a pipe, meaning an organ. It's very symphonic. There's a symphony. They would use them for declaration or the consecration of spiritual things. Right? These are very different sounds. These are very different feelings. These are very different moments. But there's power kind of in each one. And then it says there's two kinds of symbols. I like this. Here's what it says. Praise him with sounding symbols. You're like, great. Praise him with loud crashing symbols. You're like, I thought that was all symbols. Like, no, they're sounding symbols, and then there's even higher pitched, louder crashing symbols. Basically, I'm explaining to you a drum kit, in case you're curious what's happening right now. I'm just explaining to you that we've been waiting for hundreds and thousands of years to just build this, because apparently it was in Psalm 150 the whole time. Uh, 
But, but I love these different things because all these different instruments are part of one praise. And so the writer, David, he, he's composing here. Can you picture this? Like if you've ever been to a symphony or seen Bugs Bunny do this on Looney Tunes, uh, and, you know, he's got the whole thing, and he strikes up the different people, and he's bringing up this instrument and this instrument and the different things. So David's like bringing up all of these instruments. He's composing praise. And what I love about this is that you are uniquely gifted to praise God as he has gifted you. This is so important in church because oftentimes harp feels like, harps feel like they need to be cymbals and cymbals feel like they need to be organs and organs feel like they need to be drums. And, and usually what happens is either we go, we force our personality on other people or we feel uh, judged by other people. Cymbals, you don't need to tell harps to play louder. Harps, you don't need to resent cymbals for being louder. I'm going to rephrase it again because we need to get this as a church. God has uniquely called every instrument, every voice, every heart to be part of one church, one body, one spirit. We serve one God. We are together. But we are all uniquely different. And so if you are a soothing, gentle harp that patiently declares the favor of God, do that. I'm not asking you to bang that harp with a cymbal. But if you are a cymbal and someone told you you can't bang those cymbals, and if you're a loud crashing cymbal and someone made you feel bad, like, why is he dancing? You know what? You can just whip out Psalm 150 and just get at him because God has created you to be you. You are uniquely gifted to praise. And I love this because there's all these different instruments because there's all sorts of different seasons and there's all sorts of different people. And you might not be in a season where you can really feel like a symbol, maybe a symbol that you drop on the ground and kick around, but that's about it. Some of you might not be in the, sim the season of being a trumpet that's signaling jubilee, that's signaling joy. You might be in the season of a harp that's worshiping before the feet of Christ, that's praying soothing and peace over them. And you know what God cares about? All God cares about is that you worship with all that you have, all that you are, and all that you're supposed to be. That's all he cares about. You are part of a great symphony. Could you imagine a symphony that was all symbols? <laughs> we used to do this uh, ministry. It was, um, man, it was like trash can drumming. I don't know. It was like Beats Team. We had some horrible name for it. And basically what it is is you take 25 middle schoolers and you give them metal trash cans and you basically pretend that you're playing along to a song and you just train them. And so about two hours on a Sunday, we'd have these junior hires and they would all play this beat and like move together and try to do this trash can drumming thing. And um, that, that was awful. Uh, <laughs> Because everything sounded the same. There's beauty in diversity. Right? There's beauty in being unique. But what we can't be is less than what we're really gifted to be. I mean, you can, but God has called you to, to great praise. And so all I'm saying is play the right song for the right season with the right instrument. If you're at a funeral, play a song in accordance. If you're at a dance, play a song in accordance. Right? Play it the right way. Play it the right tempo. Do take whatever God has put on your heart and just lift it up to him. And there might be a song that we sing on a Sunday that is so different feeling from what God's doing on your heart. But I want to tell you what you bring to the symphony is important. It's important. And it's powerful. We need more people who 
to be drums, to be cymbals and declare. We need more people to be trumpets who signal joy and life, if that's who you are. We need more people to bring harps, to bring soothing. We need more people to just worship out of what's going on in their life and who God is and declare that with the fullness. Because your praise might not look the same as everyone else's expression of praise, but it all's got the same power if it's all going to the same God with the same fullness. God is the power. God gets the glory. God gets the honor. That's the beauty of it. And here's why. Because God has gifted every person to worship. Every person. I, I, when I was first really studying worship and trying to understand how to put it, there's a book called Whatever Happened to Worship, and the writer describes um, as, as people we were given a great harp. That's what he calls it in creation. And that we were able to commune with God and to worship him and to praise him above all other creation and all other creatures. And we were designed to worship God. We were designed to praise God, to live into communion with God. And yet we took this great harp. And because of sin, we threw that great harp in the mud to just lay there and to rust and to rot and to fall apart. And all of creation still does its thing, right? Bees still make honey. Birds still make nests. But people don't worship God like they're intended to do. We worship counterfeits. We worship fake things. We're like bees making honey with nothing or birds making nests with nothing. And so God sent his son to earth to die for you and I, not to have some abstract sense of restoration, but to fully restore us to being worshipers of the most high God. Amen. Is that God sent his son, Jesus came to restore us into communion with him so that we could have access to God, to come before him and praise. Do you know what people that had to go through the temple and the purification would have given? Just to come in and just praise and worship and be in the presence of God. And so God sent his son to restore us to the freedom of worship that we were created for. See, salvation is restoration to the purpose of your creation, which is to worship God. That's why you were created, to worship God, to be a worship unto him, to live in communion, to receive the love, to, to walk in intimate relationship with the Father. That's why Psalm 156 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Man, let everything that has breath live a, live a life of praise, declare praise unto God. It's a call. All of creation, that's, that's God's intention, that you and I would praise him because sin created a divide. It broke the original intent. It distorted it. It perverted it, and there's been hurt and, and, and pain and separation and isolation. But the reason we get together on a Sunday morning to praise is because we're all uniting and remembering together, yeah, this is why we were created. And if you're struggling with it, hopefully the person next to you is going, you know what, I got enough faith to kind of lift you up, and we're just going to together remember we were created created for the freedom of communing with God and being together and worshiping. He says, let everything that has breath, listen, that's the only qualifier to praise the Lord right there. The only qualifier to praise God is, are you breathing? <laughs> Everybody here is breathing. You're all qualified. It doesn't matter how you came in. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you're like, man, I can't lift my arms on the bend. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Are you breathing? Yes, you can praise God. 
and experience the freedom and power of uniting with your original purpose. And your praise might be, you're just at the point where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to start saying the words. I don't feel comfortable singing. I don't feel around me hears me singing. So I'm just going to say them. That's fine. Let everything that's breathing and alive praise the Lord. And here's why. This is the last thing I invite the band up this morning. There's power when you praise. There is power when you praise. There is power when you praise. I, I don't know if you all know who Paul and Silas are. Uh, Paul and Silas, as they're spreading the gospel, and you can go read about it in Acts, but as they're spreading the gospel, they're put into prison. And uh, I think there's a lot of responses to being put into prison <laughs> uh, and being in a jail cell. She could probably explain them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You work in a prison, man. I'm not saying you're in jail. Um, but, I, but I think that this is probably the best one. And it comes from Acts 16, verse 25. It says, about midnight, while in prison, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What, what a response. In fact, it's so unusual. Here's what it says everyone else was doing. The other prisoners were listening to them. They weren't heckling, throwing things, screaming at them to shut up. It says they were listening to them. Suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. See, Paul and Silas's response to suffering was praise. Was to worship with music and with song. And some of you are in prison wondering, how do I get out of here, the place that I'm in? And I want to give you a biblical example, which is your praise is powerful. Praise your way out of prison. Praise your way out of prison. You're going to crawl out. You can walk out when your praise is powerful and knocks the doors down. Praise your way out of prison. Praise your way in what you're facing. God has given you the, this beautiful gift of praise that we're going to do for all eternity to worship him when, it, when there's no more hurt, no more pain, and you're in heaven for all eternity. What you're going to be doing is not working to earn his love or trying to prove yourself or trying to, like, scrub the floors of heaven to work away your old sin. You're just going to be worshiping. So why wait? Why wait? Why not worship him now? Why not praise him now? Why not experience the freedom? And I love this is because when we give God the praise, it renews our spirit, it strengthens our soul, but it does something in the supernatural. Ephesians 6 tells us we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And John, and Jesus tells us in John 4, the hour is coming and is now here where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I don't know if you knew this, but God has given you a gift of praise that does a supernatural work, that does spiritual battle the oppression on your family, the brokenness in your relationships, the anxiety in your heart, the fear in your life. They are not broken by man-made swords. They are broken through the Spirit and the Holy Spirit that's been given to us and supernatural battle that occurs. We live in this place. We're willing to let the movies talk about the supernatural, but like heaven forbid the church does. Because listen, there is a supernatural and a spiritual battle happening for your soul right now. 
And when you worship, you do battle in the spirit. And we're not just a congregation. We're like an army that's declaring the goodness of God. And you're in the foxhole next to the person next to you. And you're with them. And you're praising. And it's not easy, but it is, it's a battle. And God promises us supernatural victory. We worship in spirit and in truth. We have received the Holy Spirit. We worship not just as people the truth of the gospel. worship with the power that's been given through the Holy Spirit. And when you worship, you do battle in the supernatural for your family. You do battle in the spirit for your home, for your children who have wandered far and who there's nothing you could text, call, say to them that would bring them back, but God can. And when you praise, you do battle in the spirit for them. When you praise, something happens supernaturally in your life. People get healed. Words get shared. Hearts get restored. Relationships get renewed. And the psalm ends where it begins. It says, praise ye the Lord, meaning hallelujah. When you lift up a hallelujah, it begins to break chains. It begins to bring life. It begins to bring restoration. And I, I just believe, man, if we're a church that can get a hold of that the music time is not the first kind of fluff 15 minutes, but it is the time of power and breakthrough and life change, we're going to see a church transformed. Are you with me? Do you hear me? Do you hear what I'm saying to you in your life? Is that you still do not, have, you got to get there mentally. You're almost there. God has given you a gift to do battle on behalf of your family and your life and your home and your future. He's not hoping you prove yourself, so he gives you. He's just given you a gift, and he's saying, come before me and worship and see that I will not. See that I will, bring, I will break chains and I will restore hope in life. And we need more of that. We need a supernatural move of God. We need God to heal. We need God to restore. We don't need more systems. We don't need more programs. We don't need more events. We don't need more lights. We don't need softer chairs. We need God to reach into your family and heal somebody. We need God to restore some relationships. We need God to break addiction. We need God to reach into your heart and remove shame. Need God to do what only God can do. And so we're like, yes, I want that. So he says, great. You know what I've given? I've given you a tool that when you prioritize your heart and your mind in praise, see that I want to just open the floodgates and bless you and, and bring restoration into your life. Hallelujah. It's in your hallelujah and your praise where the chains are broken. And this morning, we're going to end that way by declaring, I love this song that says, faithful you are, faithful you ever be. We're just going to end by proclaiming the truth of who Jesus is. And I just want you to enter in a place of praising God. Bring your harp, bring your drum, bring your, your lyre. Metaphorically, not literally, don't bring a drum. We're going to enter that. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to release you, and our band's going to sing this, and I'm going to encourage you to just enter in. I'm not even going to quantify what God's going to do in your life, but I just want to tell you one thing, is that we serve a God of miracles. I said it last week. I'm going to keep saying it. We serve a God of miracles, and I believe he can do a miracle in your life. And so I'm just going to invite you, as we begin to praise, to enter into praise and do supernatural battle with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. God has given you the gift. 
I'm not saying you got to respond like I respond. I'm saying if you're a heart, be a heart. Just worship and lift up that comforting prayer. If you're a symbol, if you're a trumpet, then declare the year of Jubilee. Lift up some shouts, but be who you are. No one else will judge you. But we just want to praise the Lord. Let's pray together. If that's you and you're saying, I need God to do a miracle, I'm going to pray for you right now. And we just want to enter into a time of praise. God, we thank you that you have given us worship. God, we thank you that this is a blessing. And God, we've come from all different places, and we're facing all different things, and we're uniquely different people, and yet you've given us one spirit brought us together as one body and we serve one loving Abba Father God and God we know that you are the God of miracles and that you can do miracles in our lives God we know that if you promised it you will be faithful to fulfill it we know that all your promises are yes and amen and so God I pray that as we take a step this morning of praise for some people it's going to be the very first time they've opened their mouths and praised and lifted you up God I pray you would stir upon their heart and move upon on their lives through your power and that you would begin to do a miracle in their life because there is power in praise there is power in praise there is power in praise there is power in praising the Lord let's worship him together this morning